Indeed, worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sister Leah and Sister Ati Edna for that wonderful song. Indeed, He's worthy to be praised and to be worshipped. And of course, uh, thank you very much for coming because I know this is an important date for each and every one of us. As, of course, believers in the Lord, we commemorate uh, His death, especially uh, during Good Friday. I invite you to please uh, rise, and as we give respect to the reading of the Word of God, we will be reading Matthew chapter 27. We will be reading beginning verse 45 until verse 54. Beginning verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, uh, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man is calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on, on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out once again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. And the earthquake and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out from the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's son. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this <clears throat> beautiful evening that you've given to each and every one of us to remember the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Indeed, Father, this Friday is good because, Lord, without the death on the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we don't have life. Our life doesn't have any meaning. That's why, Father, it is indeed good. And so, Father, we thank you that we can be reminded of your grace. Not only of your grace, but also of your mercy. And, Lord, we thank you. Through that, we have salvation. Father, we seek to glorify your name in this evening. And as we... Study your words. May your words will indeed help us to continue understand who you are. And Lord, as we gain knowledge through your words today, our lives, Father, will not just stop on experiencing salvation, but we will share this salvation, this good news to those people who don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Because you did already, O oh Lord. You finished it, O oh Lord. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Bless our hearts today, for this is our prayer in Jesus' name. 
Amen. As I mentioned in my prayer, this Friday is a Good Friday. Why is Good Friday referred as good? Have you asked that question? Why is it good? Uh, what the Jewish authorities and Romans did to Jesus was definitely not good. Have you read chapter, if you go back chapter 26 and then finish the whole chapter on 27, what they really did on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not good. Injustice. All the punishment that he doesn't deserve, he's experienced. Well, we all know that when he was, of course, being tried, he received many lashes. And those lashes alone, the pain, the suffering, it's unimaginable. And after that, of course, we all know that he was crucified on the cross. And when you are crucified on the cross, again, it's painful. It's very tragic. And there is shame. Because one of the goal of these Roman soldiers is for a criminal hanging on the cross is to put him to shame. But of course, this Christ, the Messiah that they crucified, he did not commit any crime. And that's why, if you come to think of it, that Good Friday is not really good. But of course, the result of Christ's death are very good. Amen. Why? Because in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, the scripture said, But God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. While you are still sinners, while I am, you know, in sin, he died for you. And that's good for you and me. Another passage found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it tells us, For Christ died for sins once for all. I want to share it, in the, of course, in the, in the monitor. The righteous for the unrighteous. Who is the righteous? Of course, Christ is the righteous. Who is the unrighteous? It's you and me. To bring you to God, he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Amen. That's why Good Friday is good. Because you see, the righteous for the unrighteous, he died for your sin to bring you to God. Uh, he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. So this coming Sunday, of course, we will be celebrating the resurrection. But we will ask the question this evening, why did Jesus have to die? When we ask a question such as this, we must be careful that we are not calling God into question. To wonder why God could not find another way. Is there any other way for Christ to die? Of course, there's another way, okay? But he chose the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, uh, again, to wonder why God could not find another way to do something is to imply that the way he has chosen is not the best course of action and that some other method would be better. 
Usually, of course, what we perceive as better method is one that seems right to you and me. Before, of course, we come to the grips with anything God does, we have to first acknowledge that His ways and our ways, His thoughts and our thoughts, they are higher than you and me. According to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, in addition, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 4, it reminds us that He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. You see, the plan of salvation He has designed is perfect. Not only perfect, but according to this passage, it is also just. It is not only just and perfect, but it is upright. And no one could have come up with anything better. And that's why uh, Jesus died for you and me. And in the mind and in the heart of God, this is just, upright, and perfect. So in our own understanding, it is indeed very brutal. It is inhumane. And yet, in the sight of God, when Christ died, he was pleased. And why did Jesus have to die? Well, the scripture says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. In accordance with the scripture. And so evidence affirms that the sinless Jesus bled and died. He bled and died on the cruel cross of Calvary. Most importantly, the Bible explains why Jesus' death and resurrection provide the only entrance to heaven. That's why when Jesus, when Jesus Christ was ministering to his disciples and asked him, where are you going? Jesus said, oh, don't worry, I will prepare a mansion for you. And then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through whom? Through me. And that's why the Bible explained why, why Jesus' death and resurrection provide the only entrance to heaven. And the only entrance to heaven is through whom? Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no other entrance. It's only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will continue asking the question why Jesus had to die. Number one reason, it's because the punishment for sin is death. Oh, the scripture is very clear. Why Jesus had to die? Because the punishment for sin is death. You see, God created earth and man perfect. Go back into the book of Genesis. But when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's commands, he had to punish them. Remember, they were perfect. And yet they disobeyed the Lord. And when they disobeyed the Lord, of course, God was not pleased. 
And so he had to punish them. They were kicked out from the Garden of Eden. They were cursed. Read the book of Genesis chapter 3. And you will see all the consequences of their disobedience. God indeed punished them. A judge who pardons lawbreakers isn't a righteous judge. Likewise, overlooking sin would make the holy God unjust. If God the Father overlooked the sin of Adam and Eve, then he is unjust. Death is God's just consequence for sin. Why? Because in the book of Romans chapter 3 verse uh, chapter 6 verse 23 the scripture said for the wages of sin is what? Death. For the wages of sin is death. Did you know that even good works cannot make up for wrongs against the holy God? <laughs> That's why the belief that my good works will outweigh the bad works is not right. It won't make your good works appease God. It won't make as compared to his goodness. According to the book of Isaiah, of course, the scripture said, all our righteousness are what? Are filthy rags in his sight. You know, we, we, we human beings, we, we are proud of doing good things, thinking that when we do good things, good works, we will earn heaven. But while the scripture said, all our righteousness are like filthy rags in his sight. Ever since Adam sinned, every human has been guilty of disobeying God's righteous law. Why? Because in the book of Romans chapter 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of there's no exemption. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin, remind ourselves tonight that sin is not just big things like murder or blasphemy. But sin also includes love of money, hatred of enemies, and deceit of tongue and pride. Because of sin, everyone has deserved death. And what is death? Death is eternal separation from God in hell. See, this is the result. And this is the reason why Christ died for you and me. It is very obvious. Because we are sinners. And that's why today, as a believers in the Lord, we need to again remind, keep reminding ourselves that we are sinners. We are not worthy. Yet, because he died for you and me, we are worthy in his presence.
Amen. All of us, what we deserve is death. That's why He died for us on the cross of Calvary. We don't look sin as a sin in which, oh, it's just a sin. In the face of God, sin is serious. Sin, the consequences of sin is death. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. Why did Jesus die or have to die? Not only because of sin, but because the promise required an innocent death. So remember that death is the penalty of sin. And why Jesus had to die? Because the promise required an innocent death. Remember that you and I are not innocent. Christ is innocent. Why? Because he committed no sin. All of us have committed sin. What we deserve is this punishment. So, although God banished Adam and Eve from the garden, he did not leave them without hope of reconciliation. That's good news. He promised he would send a Savior to defeat the serpent. You remember in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15? And this is what the scripture said. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now this is, of course, the conversation between Satan and the Lord. And he said, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Talking about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, 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 and no wonder ever since, Satan is after the nation of Israel. Why? Because Satan knew that the Messiah will come from the nation of Israel. And until now, they have experiencing, you know, uh, this, this terrible uh, persecution. Because Satan really is trying to destroy the Messiah. But of course, uh, he, 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 he did not win the war. He lost. Now, until then, men would sacrifice innocent lamb, showing the repentance from sin and faith in the future sacrifice from God who would bear their penalty. And this is the reason why the nation of Israel would sacrifice an innocent lamb. And this innocent lamb, of course, is a picture, a foreshadow of a coming lamb, an innocent lamb. This will be a picture of this future sacrifice from God who would bear their penalty. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know today that we are not commanded to offer animal sacrifices. If we will do that, I don't know where are we going to, you know, to spill all those, you know, blood. It will. I don't. I don't also know what will happen to every animals. If we will continue doing that, uh, there will be a big problem. But you see, in those days, they were doing it because this is the foreshadow 
of the coming sacrifice. And so the nation of Israel kept on sacrificing every year an innocent lamb, an unblemished lamb. So that's the picture of the coming Messiah. See, God reaffirmed his promise of the sacrifice when men such as Abraham and Moses. Herein lies, of course, the beauty of God's perfect son. God himself provided the only sacrifice, and of course, that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who could atone for the sins of his people. Now, I like the word atone. Okay? What is atonement? Atonement is God's overcoming sin through Christ's obedience and death to restore believers to a right relationship with God. See, the reason why they were offering sacrifices in those days so that that animal will atone for their sin. Instead of them being offered as, as a sacrifice, they will offer these animal sacrifices. And so this is what Christ has done for us, why he died for you and me. It's called to atone our sins, for the atonement of your sins. You see, God's overcoming sin. You cannot overcome this sin. I cannot overcome this sin. But through God, through Christ, through his obedience and death, we praise and thank the Lord. Why? Because we can be restored to a right relationship with God. God's perfect son fulfilled God's perfect requirement of God's perfect law. It is perfectly brilliant in its simplicity. God made him Christ, who knew no sin, to be seen for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's why we, we again, we keep on reminding ourselves that your righteousness is not your work. Our righteousness is the work of Christ. And that righteousness, when a person received Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, invited Christ into their heart, we become righteous, not because you are righteous, but because Christ is righteous. Amen. And that's why if you go back to that book of Isaiah, your righteousness are, are, are like what? Filthy rags in God's sight. What God wants is the righteousness of this innocent lamb. That's why the second reason why Christ had to die, it's because the promise required an innocent death. And Christ was innocent. Why? Because he doesn't have any sin. God made him who knew no sin. Now, if you are looking for a scripture passage that says that Christ did not commit any sin, this is it. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He is innocent. He knew no sin to be seen for you and me. So that we become righteous and we will be restored. Third, why Jesus had to die, not only he died for our sins, not only the promise requires an innocent death, but number three, 
because there is power in His crucifixion. We go now to the passage that we've just read in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, and in verse 50, there is power in His crucifixion, and this power, one, number one power, we call this the power of redemption. So when the Savior breathed His last on the cross, redemption had been secured for all those who will place their faith in the Lord. You see, in verse 50, the Scripture said, this is what the Scripture said, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit. Now, in, in John chapter 19, verse 20, John wrote a different, of course, uh, a narrative here in which Matthew did not put it. But John put it this way when he cried. You see, notice in verse 50, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. What was that cry? Matthew did not specifically mention it, but John mentioned it. What was it? It is finished. It is finished. What was finished? was finished. He did not say, I'm finished. It is finished. The finished work of Jesus Christ. In other words, he obeyed God, his father, until death. You see, his sacrifice is his finished work so that we will experience redemption. No greater words have ever been spoken than when Jesus, just before he died, he said, it is finished. You don't need to make your own sacrifice, animal sacrifices. I did it for you. It is finished. You can be redeemed. You don't need to punish yourself. You don't need to afflict yourself so that you can be right with God. I did it. I finished it. You can be redeemed. Through his death, he satisfied God's demands for sin. What is God's demands for sin? Death. That's why he died. A cruel death. That's why we don't laugh at sin. God hates sin. And the requirement of sin is what? Death. He satisfied God's just demands for sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. He took the place of the guilty before the judgment bar of God and secured redemption through his blood for all who will trust in him as their Savior. 1 Peter chapter 1. 18 and 19. His death on the cross forever satisfied God. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and Romans chapter 3, verse 25. His death on the cross liberates those trapped and victimized by sin. He sets us free when we receive Him. 
by faith. And that's why we sing the song, I'm free, I'm free. We are indeed free when we repent of our sins and invite Christ into our we will indeed experience freedom. Why? Because we are shackled by sins. There is power of redemption during that crucifixion. And number two, there is the power of restoration. Through the death of Jesus on the cross, the believer finds himself restored to a right relationship with God. I like the word restored. You know, if there is a broken thing, you have to fix it, and it will be restored. You know, some of you like fixing things. And when you fix things, what is the feeling? It's a good feeling, right? Uh, some of you, 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 you do houses, you repair houses. And when you see your finished work, oh, there is the feeling of, ha, it's nice. You see, God was pleased when Christ died. Why? And Christ was happy, or God the Father was happy. It's because when we are restored, we are restored in His kingdom. And I do believe God is so happy. Why? Because the scripture said, even one soul repent, there is what? Rejoicing in heaven. And that's why every individual who lives on this earth, they are very, very important in the sight of God. Even those bad, bad people, think about them. Think about the worst people that you can think. They are very important in the sight of God, and God the Father loves them. Amen. There's hope. They can be restored. Through His death, all those who receive Him by faith are justified. Hmm. I like, again, the word justified. What is the word justified? means to be declared righteous, to render one's, one righteous or to make one as he ought to be. I like what Billy Graham's definition, just as if I did not commit any sin. Huh? That's justification. I am justified. That's why, think about again, when we connect all these words, grace, justified, he did it. You, you did nothing. It is by grace. That's why you are justified. I want you to meditate upon this. I am a sinner. And yet, God justified me. He declared me righteous. He declared you righteous in his sight. The blood of Jesus does for me what I could never do for myself. It washes my sins away and renders me righteous in the Lord. It is the blood of Jesus that makes man worthy to go to heaven. Amen. It is the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just like the blood of those animals in those days, that's why this nation of Israel were forgiven because of the blood of the animal. But there's a big difference. The blood of the animal, it only covers their sin. But the blood of Jesus, it takes away the sin in your heart. Amen. And it will make you righteous. And God was pleased. Number three, 
Not only there is power of, of redemption, restoration, but number three, there's power of reconciliation. Reconciliation. When Jesus died on the cross, we are told that the veil of the temple was torn. In verse 51, it was torn into what? Into half. From top to bottom. So the veil stood as a barrier between the holy place and the holy of holies in the temple. There is a holy place in the temple and there is this small room. It's called holy of holies. Only the priest can enter that holy of holies. And the priest, if they will enter and offer sacrifice in that holy of holies, they will first do their own sacrifice. Because if they will enter that Holy of Holies, there is sin in their heart. They will die in that room. Why? Because that place is holy. That's why it's called Holy of Holies. Presence of the Lord is there. So behind this veil was the mercy seat. See, imagine. This is the veil. And there is mercy seat. The high priest would enter behind the veil once a year on the Day of Atonement and place the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of the people. So the veil had stood as a reminder that man is separated or was separated from God by his sin, and of course was unworthy to approach God. That's of course recorded in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. However, when Jesus died on the cross, according to our passage tonight, the veil was torn into two, signifying the way to God had been what? open. There will be no more barrier. Amen. A person can enter through the Holy of Holies through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is no more barrier between man and God. Uh, <clears throat> man no longer need ever to be separated from God by his sins any longer. He can be brought into the presence of God by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that was shed on the cross of Calvary. You see, the blood brings sinful man and holy God together as one. I want to repeat that one. Okay? The blood brings sinful man and holy God together as one. That's why... When Christ said, it is finished, there was an earthquake. Dead people, you know, they rise from the dead. And then the veil was torn from top to bottom. It's because through Christ, we can now enter the throne of God. The book of Hebrews says, with boldness. There's a story about this little boy and this little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. And the doctor explained that 
She had the same disease the boy had recovered from two years earlier. Her only chance for recovery was a transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the disease. Since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy was the ideal donor. Now, uh, uh, he was asked the question. The doctor asked, would you give your blood to Mary? The doctor asked. And Johnny hesitated. His lower lip started to, to tremble. Then, then he smiled and said, sure, for my sister. Soon the, the, soon the two children were wheeled into the hospital room. Mary, pale and thin, Johnny, robust and healthy. Neither spoke, but when their eyes met, Johnny grinned, and as the nurse inserted the, the needle into his arms, Johnny's smile faded. He watched the blood flow through the tube. With, with the ordeal almost over, his voice slightly shaky, and broke the silence. And this is his question. Doctor, when do I die? Only then the doctor realized why Johnny had hesitated, why his lips had trembled when he'd agreed to donate his blood. Yeah, he thought giving his blood to his sister meant giving up his life. Now, in that brief moment, he'd made his great decision. Johnny... Fortunately, did not have to die to save his sister. Huh. Now think about this. Each of us, every individual here in this auditorium, however, we have a condition more serious than Mary's. And it required Jesus to give not just his blood, but also his what? His life. This is Good Friday. That's why it's good. Because to be saved, you don't need to punish yourself. You don't need to do anything but to invite Christ and admit that you are a sinner, that we are a sinner in His sight. What that means for you, my friend, is that you do not have to die and go to hell. Amen. That's why it's called Good Friday. You can be saved by the grace of God. An individual can be saved by the grace of God. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be made right with God if you will invite Christ into your heart. And this should be the message that every true believer in the Lord should share to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors. It's because, indeed, Good Friday is a Good Friday. It is indeed good thinking that uh, I am the worst sinners, and yet I can go into his presence. Instead of me being Sacrifice, he sacrificed himself. That's why Friday is a good Friday. But mind you, if you did not yet accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, 
Good Friday is not Good Friday to you. It is only good when you invite Him into your heart. So when you invite Him into your heart, you will understand why Good Friday is a Good Friday. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for what You have done for us. Lord, we are not worthy. What we deserve, O oh Lord, is a just punishment. But because you are so gracious, we are, you are so merciful, you are so loving, we avoided death. And we thank you for giving your son to die on the cross of Calvary. Indeed, Lord, you love us so much. Oh, Father, thank you for that unconditional love. Without that unconditional love, Lord, we will not experience this power, the redemption, the reconciliation, and the restoration. Father, for that, we give back all the glory and honor to you. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close, may I request everyone to please rise and we will sing one more song.